Welcome to the very first edition of the Yahoo Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Uh, you might not even want to listen to this whole thing. Keep it in mint condition. Uh, you've got a collector's uh, edition on your hand. This is going to be special. I am Yahoo expert Andy Behrens. Uh, I'm joined by longtime collaborator, multi-sport expert, Dalton Del Don. He's in Sunnyvale, California. Dalton, what's up? How you doing? What's up, man? What are you, what are you up to? What's going on with hoops? Um, things are good. I re-upped my Bulls tickets this year, by the way. I, oh, have, uh, I think nice. I have my first preseason game next week. It's going to be the Pelicans. I'm pretty excited about that. I'm kind of fired up for this Bulls season. Uh, they're a budding super team. You, of course, a Warriors fan, bandwagon Warriors fan. You've probably jumped off. You're probably on the Clippers bandwagon <laughs> now. Maybe the Lakers, like like every other Warriors fan, right? How dare you? Come on. Warriors are uh, primed, man. What's They're getting so under underlooked. Under, I, I, we love it. We love it. Just go overlook us. Uh, sorry, overlooked. Yes. Keep it up. They are Come actually on. overlooked. What are, their, what are their championship odds right now? Yeah, I haven't looked lately. It was something like 13 to 1 last I looked. Something totally disrespectful. How many have they been, been into a row, uh, five in a row? I mean, come on now. Five in a row. It's not the worst bet on the board, I would guess. Yeah. Uh, no. And also, in all honesty, the season could go poorly if Steph turns an ankle, and obviously Clay might is going to miss the first fifty plus games. No Durant. The defense is going to be a total nightmare compared to what the Warrior fans are accustomed to. But you know, you do get Clay back. D'Angelo Russell. Their first practice was uh, the buzz is he's a smarter player than the management gave him credit for. And obviously, you know, you bring in Kevon Looney in a cheap contract and. When uh, Draymond Green showed up in shape, by the way, too. So if you get playoff Draymond, <laughs> oh, he's not going to do play the coming back. Drop twenty five pounds. Can't to get do that again. anymore. Can't do that anymore. Been to Chase Center. I've already been lucky enough to check out a couple concerts there. The venue's sick. It's ready to go. We're going to do it in style. So the Warriors, yes, it's really it might only be more high rollers like you that can get into Chase Center. Right? It, it might, uh, yeah, yes, exactly. Andy. It might be like a six seed or whatever. But who would want to face this Warriors team come playoff time? Seriously, good. I'm excited for this. I'm excited for this podcast. I'm excited for this damn NBA season to finally start. Um, this is going to be good. So on the pod today, we're actually going to have a little Q and A with Ricky O'Donnell, uh, one of my favorite basketball writers. He's at SB Nation. Love Ricky, local guy here in Chicago. So I'm um, excited to talk to him. But first, I want to get through our starting five. Oh, and we're just going to give you a brief overview of, I mean, this was an insane NBA summer. This is an absolutely ridiculous NBA summer. You can't cram it all into one podcast, but we're going to hit some big points. And we're going to start with the very top of fantasy drafts. So you and I actually have different number ones on our overall draft board. Uh, you've got Anthony Davis and I've got uh, your guy. I've got Steph Curry. I can't believe you don't have Steph number one. What's up with you and AD? All right. So one of the videos I just shot here that I was talking about is talking about five guys are viable number one overall picks this season. So yes, yeah. Steph Curry is one. I think he's the favorite to win the scoring title. His numbers have been absurd recently without Kevin Durant. And he says he wants no load management. I talked about the poor defense. So, I mean, there's no argument here, but Anthony Davis... He was a number two fantasy player last year, and he barely, what he, I mean, his minutes were, were managed like crazy. Now he might be unleashed, and obviously a new system in LA, and he's never played with a guy with the usage rate like LeBron. But I mean, if we knew everyone was going to play 82, we're going to play 82 games, AD would definitely be the pick. But yeah, I mean, you're asking me to argue against Curry here, heartbreaking. But I, there's an argument for James Harden. The dude just averaged 36 points, yeah. five three pointers. He thinks basketball is so funny. He's just a, a shoot, messing around with a one footed, a three pointer for fun this summer. And, and Carl. Anthony Towns is a trendy number one overall pick, and we haven't even talked about Giannis, who just won MVP at age 24. So you want a top five pick is the answer here. Yeah, I got no great beef with uh, with AD again. He's number two on my board. Um, he, he's going to get you two blocks a game. Like, everything's good there. Uh, Steph, though, I got to say, 
he's going to average 34. He's going to average 35 points a night. It's going to be stupid. Uh, he's going to, I don't know, he's going to hit six threes a night. It's going to be great. It's going to be really, really fun. And we know that he's good for one and a half, two steals a game. Just, just an almost perfect fantasy asset. Crazy shooting percent. I don't need to talk you into Steph. What a weird Warriors season this is going to be, at least for a while, at least until Clay comes back. But um, Steph is Steph is clearly going to be the beneficiary of that. No, you're right. It's going to be fun, if nothing else, because, I mean, Durant, for how great of a basketball player he is, the ISO stuff is just simply not as fun as the motion offense when Steph Curry's going. I mean, that is as fun as it gets. Okay, so we've hit the Lakers a little bit talking about Anthony Davis. I want to talk about the other Los Angeles team, uh, which I feel is kind of their kind of their niche, right? They've always been secondary. Like, what an incredible roster. Obviously, they had Kawhi. They had Paul George. They they keep Pat Beverly. Um, which gives them probably the greatest defensive backcourt since I don't know when. That's that's ridiculous, right? That that is ridiculous perimeter defense. They're a really fun team. Lou Williams still there. Kawhi though, he's probably a first round pick, right? But he played sixty games last year. Um, how early are you comfortable taking a guy who is clearly going to get load managed again, right? Like the the whole phrase um, is synonymous with Kawhi. Assume he plays 60, 62 games, something like that. What are you doing with him? We just saw it work. I mean, they won the championship, giving him that treatment. And Paul George, the recent quotes are really discouraging too. Like he really might miss some some regular season time. So I see these guys going aggressively, you know, early second round. And to me, I'm probably going to pass. I, I think that's load management management's going to be the real the, the the most felt is this team lou williams by the way the fifth highest usage rate last year so there's a lot when those guys are all on the court together they're all going to take a hit and then they're also going to be off the court a lot more than, than fantasy owners are going to like for they're going to spend you know a top 15 pick on these guys so my answer is i'm probably going to allow these guys to go on another team come playoff time in real basketball i'm scared to death of this squad and they're the favorites for for the for you know they're for the rightful reasons okay okay so the roto world draft you've got the fourth overall pick that comes back to you in the second round and Kawhi is still there, you're not taking him? Yeah, especially that one's head-to-head, too. So if you can just make the playoffs there. And uh, yeah, okay, I get, I get what you're saying. It's easy for me to say that now, but then you're in the middle of the second round and Kawhi's there, I probably Clock would, is ticking down. There's yeah. 60 seconds on the clock. You're like, oh, do I want to take one it. of these dogs or do I want to take... Yeah, I know. Yeah, I All right, so if I'm looking at my board, I have them ranked 14th and 15th right now. So, I mean, I guess middle second is... I, I mean, yeah, the upside is just immense, of course. So just depends on your league. But it is a real thing with those two guys in particular. They're going to miss plenty of games this year. So third topic in our starting five, you mentioned usage rate. The two guys in NBA, in all of NBA history who have ever produced a usage rate above 40%, they're now on the same team. Uh, it's James Harden. It's Russell Westbrook. What does this look like? How early are you taking? You, you already mentioned James Harden as a plausible number one overall pick. I guess I'm still there. But like what happens when Russ is on the floor and James Harden has the ball? What, is, what does any of this look like? Yeah, so they finished number one and number two last year in usage rates. So that's why you bump down hard into fourth or fifth. That's probably where I have him now. Just, I mean, coming off the season he had, that's a big ding because, I mean, you're, how is this going to look? It's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be pretty much a disaster in real basketball and fantasy going to hurt Harden just slightly. And Westbrook, it really comes down to your format. I mean, it's points leagues, still going to be monster, go after him. But the percentages, he was always a poor three-point shooter. Now he's an awful one. And I just right. don't think he's going to suddenly stop going to a Houston team that fires him up at will. So I worry about him in, in, in category leagues. So big, any, big difference any reason to think that the, uh, that the free throw percentage, which of course was like, he became a liability all of a sudden. Like no. one of the one of the keys to his fantasy value over time had always been he gets to the line constantly and he's going to shoot over 80%. If he's like in the low 60s, 
like, was that just an anomaly or is there some reason to think that'll come back? It drives me crazy when I see point guards shoot poorly from there. That's like Fultz was a kind of a red flag in college. But yeah, yeah, that's a problem. It's a big problem because he gets there so often. I mean, that's one thing that he's never going to give up is reckless abandon type play. So he, so that is a, definitely an issue I didn't even bring up. And that's another problem if you're not in points leagues. That's why he's, yeah. he's the player I'd say the most is drastically affected by your format. Yeah, for sure. So I want to get I want to get to one other first round pick, a guy who, again, I've seen actually go number one overall. I had a guy hitting me up on Twitter the other day who was just pounding me about how Joel Embiid should be the top overall pick. Okay, he he announced at Media Day, basically around Media Day, that he has he has three goals or three notable goals. Um, He was talking to MVP. He was talking defensive player of the year and he was talking playing over 70 games, which he's never done. Obviously, uh, like fragile might be a strong word, but not the most durable player in the in the player pool. Does he accomplish any one of those things? I love him. I think it's all within the realm of possibilities. I mean, this guy was putting up monster numbers, even out of shape. He's admitted you know, at the end of last season. I think if he is motivated and obviously an injury risk, but I just love watching him because he's so different than the guys that succeeded in the, in the NBA today. And uh, I, I would not blame you one bit if you're like, I want to take him as number one overall fantasy player. Who cares? Even though I gave you five viable options, if his ADP is a little below that, I don't care. Get your guy, especially if it's someone like Joel Embiid, whose upside is MVP and defensive player of the league. I mean, it really is. He can impact the game as much as anyone right now. If he's, if his mind's right and his body is, is, is totally in shape, I, I'm in. I actually feel that by throwing MVP out there, like it, it reminded me, I mean, he didn't say it as dramatically as, as Derek Rose said it back in the day. Right. But when you reframe the conversation around MVP to include yourself like that, and it's that dramatic and your team is probably going to win 58, 59, maybe 60 games. It's a crazy, like that roster looks really good. They're in the East. I feel like he put himself in the conversation. That's totally plausible. Whereas like a week ago, I might've said that uh, it's still Giannis's to lose. It's funny. Embiid's supposedly a really shy, like an humble guy, but he's so out there in the media and that's going to help him if the MVP votes, but he's, he's great to follow on social media. And he's so entertaining. I thought of that. He's got MVP intangibles, right? Cause he's, Oh yeah. He's on dead spin, just crushing tennis balls. Like he he goes out in like the Philly streets and just plays, you know, pickup ball or or tennis. Oh yeah. The media loves him rightfully. So he's a really funny, entertaining guy for sure. That so that he has that going for him as well. Okay, so um, final final item in our in our starting five, and uh, speaking of fun players, Zion Williamson. What are we doing with him? What do we expect this to look like? We're going to talk to Ricky in a little bit, and he's got Zion thoughts, better Zion thoughts than I do. Like we all saw the highlights of him coming in to college. Uh, we all saw plenty of him at Duke. How how does any of that translate to the NBA? What are you expecting from him with the Pelicans? They're probably going to play fast. That's good. Yeah. He's such a unique talent. I mean, I don't know if he can stay healthy. The guy just exploded a shoe in front of everyone. I mean, he's so different, just the way he's built, but so fun, too. You said at New Orleans, I think they were second in pace last year. I've fallen for the hype. Um, I'm a sucker. I moved him into my top 25 recently, so I'm on board taking him oh, late second wow. round. I'm telling you, they, they're going to give him the green light. They don't care what his shooting percentage is going to be from downtown, and I just think he's going to be a monster from right away. So I'm all in, and, and go ahead and get If you can get him in the third round, get Zion and, and, and be thankful. Okay, before we get into it with Ricky O'Donnell, um, Dalton, I, just a couple things that we heard at media days from around the league that I want to get your quick thoughts on. Um, and I want to start with uh, Joel Embiid's teammate, Ben Simmons, weird player for a thousand reasons. Uh, he says, as does Embiid, that he wants to win Defensive Player of the Year. He threw that out there as well. They're, they're maybe going to split the vote if he's close. Like fantasy-wise, he's not full of defensive goodies, but what are your thoughts on Simmons coming into the year? 
one thing I like to say, I like these players focusing on defense awards. I mean, that's nice How to see. Is he, is he going to hit a three this season? Because he's yet to hit one in his career. That's the main question. But another guy that really depends on format. But uh, points league could be a monster because he was maybe considered somewhat of a disappointment last year because people were reaching late first, early second. But yeah, I mean, Ben Simmons is still so young. I mean, was there anything he can't do on the court other than shoot? I mean, I other than shoot, just live other, than the in the gym. Imp- other than the single most important How- thing. Absolutely. And how that guy doesn't just live in the gym all summer. He better have just shooting nonstop. But we'll see that. But yes, defensive player of the year. Sure. I mean, it's possible because like I said, he can, athletically, man, the guy's totally gifted. Do you, do you read anything at all into the workout videos we've seen of him? I mean, like this was such a this was such an NFL thing, too, during the summer. And now we've had like a summer of Ben Simmons in the gym putting up long jumpers. Uh, does that make you feel good? He probably can't shoot. I don't, I'll believe honestly. I'll believe. I'll believe it when I see it with him. I still love the guy, the player, but I, I'll believe it when I see it when he's shooting because it's it's bad. I mean, it was yeah. bad. long yeah. way to go. Okay, I feel like we're in the same spot on Simmons. Um, Hassan Whiteside. This might be. This might actually be my favorite player declaration from Media Days. Um, Hassan Whiteside says his goal is to lead the NBA in both blocks and rebounding. Which, like, okay, uh, he's thirty. He's in a new location, like, but maybe that all seems weird, except he's actually done both of these things before. He's led the right. league in blocks per game. He's led the league in rebounds per game, not in the same season, but he's done it. Uh, like, you got any high hopes for him? Any hopes? Low hopes? Is that something that Shaq never did, by the way? Don't quote me on that, but I know it's something insane like that. He never led the league in, re- in rebound or blocks. Something, something really weird like that. But yeah, 3.7 blocks per game. He did not that long ago. Eli, yeah. I'm sorry, uh, it's on upside. And he's not not 30 years old, or he's just about to turn 30. Nurkic is hurt. Zach Collins is another interesting sleeper uh, in Portland front court. But um, yeah, Whiteside looked like a guy that was going to be a future top three, four round yeah. fantasy pick for years to come, and he just fell completely off. But sure, I'd love to hear this hype, and, and, and why not? He can certainly help with the swats, for sure. And he's another um, he's another points league versus you know traditional format guy, too, right? Because not, not exactly a gifted free throw shooter. Not gifted, no. A guy you mentioned earlier, Clay Thompson, we've, I, I mean, like we learned some things that I suppose we already knew he's going to be, they've, they've sort of formally said, officially said that he's going to be sidelined at least through the all-star break. All-star break itself would seem like an absolute crazy Adrian Peterson style, best case scenario, comeback from an ACL, right? Um, give me, I don't know, total number of games that you expect Clay Thompson to play in the regular season. Yeah, tough guy to rank, too, because if your system, if you have IL guys, I mean, you do want to get him, you know, not not to the very end. You can stash him. But in other formats, you can't really hold on to Clay Thompson. So I don't yeah. know. I'd say what is uh, 25-ish games? Does that sound about right? I'll never put anything past the guy. The man, the man, he's walking on the street. He has thoughts on scaffolding. I mean, you know, put nothing <laughs> past Clay. He's going to work harder than anyone in his rehab. But they'll be they'll be very patient. The Warriors franchise obviously gave him the big contract. So 25-ish type games. The right answer is zero. Uh, oh, you know, like, oh, okay. And I'm not even, I'm not even down on him specifically, except for fantasy, right? Like I, I feel like the Warriors entire goal should be to get him back for the postseason, right? Like we'll see him as soon as the regular season is over. I assume that's allowable, right? Like that's, that's where I would be if I were, if I were the Warriors. Cause I feel like Steph and Russell and Draymond is enough to get you, I don't know, 48 wins in the West, 50 wins. Do they care about getting a 55th win? Do they care about the difference? Between, I don't know, four and six, whatever it is. I'd be, I'd be really surprised if we see him at all. All that makes sense, but I will just say this guy suffered a high ankle sprain in the playoffs that people swear would take mortals six weeks, and he yeah. was back the next game. So this guy's just a little bit different cat. He's a different dude, but, but I hear you. But I could just see him being stubborn and, and playing those final 30 games. 
He's also not he's not a guy whose game is entirely dependent on explosion either, right? right? So yep. you, you really totally. just need him to run around a little bit, get open, knock down shots. Really good defensive laterally, but you're right. His, his offensive yeah. game, I mean, he goes cuts and whatnot, but you'd think as a, at minimum, you get there and shoot. The stand in the corner, it totally shoots. That, that's why I think that he he'll, he should recover from the ACL. But man, what just brutal loss. I mean, you see Durant, the, the AC, I'm sorry, the Achilles, and, and then Clay, the, the ACL at the end of the season. Double double whammy was rough. Yeah, but like really miserable. And I was like, at that point, I was, I was kind of all in on the Raptors. I'd really enjoyed their playoff run. And then it just took the air out of a, what should have been a great finals and should have been like was shaping up to be one of the all-time uh nba games too especially when when kd got hurt that was the worst yeah it would have been a fun game seven too for sure yeah um okay final thing that i thought was by far the greatest thing that i've heard not only at this year's media days so far but maybe in any immediate days uh jj reddick of course has this crazy streak of he's never having missed the playoffs in his nba career uh and his message to zion was quote don't f up my playoff streak. Um, I love it. Uh, what like what do you think the chances are the Pelicans actually being something? Maybe getting to I don't know forty four wins, forty five wins, sniffing around that eighth seed. Yeah, I guess that it's definitely possible. I'm in on Zion. We'll see the coaching there. I mean, I I think it's 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 possible. I, hopefully for people that that spend those early picks on Zion too, they don't want him shutting it down early. So I, I think it's 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 doable. And hey, we have the the Reddick the Reddick stink. Oh, what's opposite of stink? I mean, wherever he goes, they just make the playoffs. <laughs> Fun guy too. He's does you know he's a good podcaster too. Reddick. He's a, a real interesting guy off the yeah. off the court. I like Reddick. Yeah, it's super interesting. What, one last question about the Pelicans. Where are you at on Derek Favors? Oh yeah, if you can call him a sleeper, but yeah, definitely like yeah. Derek Favors. I mean, people will be in on him for sure. With a bit, much better opportunity this year for sure. I like like Favors a lot. Okay, you've heard our rudimentary thoughts on the Pelicans and Zion Williamson. Let's get to Ricky O'Donnell, who has actual detailed prospecty thoughts on Zion. I am legitimately excited that Ricky O'Donnell is joining us. Uh, I only fake excitement with Dalton, obviously, but with Ricky, it's totally legit. You may know him as the College Hoops editor and the prospects guru at SB Nation, or you may know him as the host of the Cash Considerations podcast on the Chicago Bulls. Ricky is the person who talks the most sense, at least locally by far, about the Bulls' front office. Uh, you can and should follow him on Twitter. He is at SBN underscore Ricky. It's interesting that you're an underscore guy. I would find it disturbing if I didn't like you personally. What's up, Ricky? How's it going, Andy? <laughs> it's good. It's good. Um, I'm thrilled that you're joining us. Love all of your stuff. Ricky, explain Zion to the people. Um, <laughs> I feel like we've watched him dunk since he was in like, I don't know, fifth grade, sixth grade. We basically know... We're getting points here. We're getting boards. We're getting blocks. He's an aggressive defender. What are we not going to see from Zion Williamson? Where does he struggle? I think threes is going to be the obvious area of improvement for him. This year, you have to figure he's going to be a non-shooter. Uh, I would throw a free throw percentage in there as well. I think defensively, he's going to be a wrecking ball. At Duke, he was racking up steals and blocks at historic rates offensively such an efficient scorer he's not someone who really stretches himself too thin in terms of his skill set he mostly stays in his lane does what he's good at uh, essentially he's going to be driving the ball to the rim and finishing it there efficiently I think obviously his strength was so overwhelming at the college level but even at 18 19 years old he's going to have a significant strength advantage immediately on a lot of the people he faces in the NBA. I would expect him to be one of the 100 best players in the league 
immediately from his rookie year. That's how high he set the bar for himself with his historic season at Duke. And to me, he's he's the one rookie in this class who is just going to be a no-brainer star. What, uh, what do you think he can guard? Can he guard everything between, you know, can he guard threes, fours, and fives? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think a lot of that will depend on just how big of a workload he's carrying offensively. But he definitely has the quickness to stay with guards and he's got the strength to, you know, defend the post. So hypothetically, he's a one through five defender. Obviously, when NBA stars are carrying a big load offensively, sometimes their defense starts to slip. A lot of it's going to come down to how healthy he is, too. Uh, uh, One thing I'll say about Zion is I would expect him to peak a little sooner than a lot of NBA players. It's hard for me to imagine what a 30-year-old Zion looks like, whereas it's easy (laughs) to imagine, you know, Luka Doncic at 35 years old. He he has a game that seems like it'll age well. Zion, not so much, but I think that Zion will hit the ground running. He'll be immediately effective for the Pelicans, and I would really expect him to be a day-one star, both for New Orleans and fantasy owners. That's interesting. Luca has like old man rec league game. That's totally true. Is there is there like a right player comp for Zion? I've been thinking of him as maybe like a larger Dominique, but obviously Dominique was a scoring champ and maybe that's the wrong comp for Zion. Sure. I think Zion has a little bit more point guard ability than Dominique ever had. Mm-hmm. Dominique was a little bit before my time, but certainly uh, they have a lot of the Ouch. same strength. That hurt. That hurt a little bit. It hurt a little. <laughs> uh, but the comparison I've been using, which it isn't perfect, but I've been likening him to Giannis with strength instead of length. I think that the places on the floor where they get their points are very similar. You know what Giannis is going to do. He's going to put his head down, get to the basket, go over you, around you, through you. Zion's just using pure power uh, generated by his athleticism to yeah. get his points. But they're getting their points from the same places on the floor. I think that... Uh, similar to Giannis, Zion can handle the ball better than most people expected him. Certainly when he was uh, becoming a, a mixtape superstar, I think that his game's more well-rounded than people initially gave him credit for. And like Giannis, I think he's going to be doing a lot of ball handling. He'll be running some pick and rolls. He'll be running some isolations. Uh, certainly their body types are completely different. But I think just in terms of their outlier athletic qualities, strength for Zion, length for Giannis, uh, they they do have some rough similarities. Ricky, because you bring up Zion's l- longevity, um, I don't know if you saw, but did you see that the rookie survey actually had him finishing like fourth as far as best career among these rookies with Cam Reddish finishing with like four times as many votes? So I wonder if that is the growing concern is maybe just the longevity aspect with him. What are your thoughts on Reddish finishing first there? I think the other rookies are haters. The same thing happened. Okay. To- it's just political. <laughs> yeah, it's just, okay. All right, that, yeah. Fair. Same thing happened to Luca last year. He was like fourth or fifth in the rookie survey. He was obviously the best player in the draft class to anyone with half a brain besides for, you know, the owners of the Suns and the Kings who drafted <laughs> players ahead of him. Uh, I think that Zion clearly the best rookie this year. I do worry about his durability. I think that, you know, anytime you are relying on a player who carries that much weight and is putting that much force on his joints. I think that, you know, the durability questions are certainly legit, but if Zion stays healthy, there is like no doubt to me that he's going to be the best player in this class. I think he's going to be a bona fide stud really from the moment he enters the league. And it'll mostly be about putting the right pieces around him. I think the Pelicans had a strong off season with the rest of their draft, Jackson Hayes, Nikhil Alexander Walker signed some great veterans with, uh, J.J. Redick, Derek Favors. So they're they're playing up to Zion's strengths, which is the right thing to do. It's just about, you know, Zion staying healthy and then making incremental improvements to his game year over year. 
It's interesting that you bring up uh, Giannis because I know there's at least been some talk about Zion Williamson actually still growing, which is uh, a little bit frightening because he's already colossally large. I feel like there was a pretty clear one, two, three in this draft. So uh, I'm also wondering how high you were on John Morant uh, and what you think year one might look like in Memphis with him paired with Jaron Jackson. It was super fun last year. There's almost no chance that Ja was a one-year wonder at the college level, right? I like John Morant for sure. I do think that he's less of a no-brainer than perhaps the consensus uh, thinks he is. Hmm. The issue is just that NBA teams are going to be going under screens on him until he proves he can hit a pull-up jumper. I think if you look at a lot of the great point guards in the NBA today, most of them really rely on their pull-up jump shooting ability. While Morant has some obvious strengths like his athleticism, his, his brilliant vision and passing ability... Uh, the game's a lot harder when teams are daring you to take the three. So <laughs> while I think that he's going to be an effective player for fantasy purposes from day one in terms of getting assists, he'll probably get, you know, 13 to 16 points, I would guess. Uh, he'll rebound pretty well for a guard. But in terms of his overall impact on winning, I think that's going to take a few years to come to fruition. Even if you look at Trey Young last year, he was dead last in the league for a while in the stack called RPM, which is an all-in-one stack that sort of measures uh, contributions towards winning. So I think that Morant, in a lot of ways, is a similar player. Both of those guys badly need to add strength. Uh, Morant maybe a little bit more wiry strong than Trey Young was, but Morant also doesn't have the pull-up jump shooting ability that Trey Young did. So while I think that Morant uh, is going to put up like pretty good base level numbers, I'm not sure he's going to have a huge contribution to winning right away. However, he couldn't have landed in a better spot. Not only Jaron Jackson Jr., who I think is the best young big man prospect in the NBA, but to also get Brandon Clark. Everyone saw how yeah. good he was in summer league. He had an absolutely brilliant season for Gonzaga this past year. You could make the argument he had the second best college basketball season of the decade behind Zion, just in terms of his overall efficiency and two-way impact. So both of those guys running the floor with him. He's got a pick and pop threat in Jackson, a lob threat in Clark, two guys who will really be able to seal off the rim behind him defensively if he blows an assignment. I think that John Morant landed in a great spot in Memphis. Okay, so you you mentioned Clark. Beyond the top, you know, two, three guys in the draft, give me give me a couple more who are the most likely to be immediately successful in the NBA. Um, not even necessarily long-term, but like right now, 2019, 2020. Uh, Jackson Hayes was a wow player in summer league. Seems like his minutes could be a little bit limited. And then I know Tyler Hero was just an absolute monster in summer league. So who are your guys? I'm going to go with Grant Williams on this one for a few different reasons. First of all, he's just more mature. I think he was, he was a junior in college. Uh, so he had three seasons under his belt at the college level. Also, the Celtics don't really have a lot of bigs anymore. They lost Aaron Baines. They lost Horford. So who's going to be playing center for the Celtics this year? Realistically, it's going to be Marcus Smart. I don't know if he's going to have center eligibility in fantasy. (laughs) But, you know, it's Enos Cantor. It's Robert Williams. I think that Grant Williams is going to get some minutes this year. And I'll go with Tyler Hero as well because... You know, you look at the rest of the guards in Miami next to Jimmy Butler, you obviously want shooting. Butler's a two guard, but I think you saw even from the end of his Bulls tenure, you know, he's really in this new breed of oversized offensive initiator. Butler's going to be running the pick and rolls. Butler's going to be the guy who uh, is isolating at the top of the key. So you want some shooting next to him. Goran Dragic, he's pretty good still, but he fell off a bit last year. And then behind that, there's there's not many established guys. You have Derek Jones, you have Deion Waiters still around. 
Uh, but I think Hero can get a lot of minutes. He has just unbelievable touch. I think he shot like 95% on free throws last year without looking up the number. He's someone who they're going to try to use similarly to how JJ Reddick's been used throughout his career, running around multiple screens. So I really like Tyler Hero. I think he's a seamless fit in lineups next to Jimmy Butler and uh, Justice Winslow. I would anticipate he's immediately effective for Miami. Uh, you've got me. You've got me missing Jimmy Butler now. Uh, I sort of. I sort of dread asking about the Bulls generally because I'm kind of enjoying the delusion that they might be. I don't know Eastern Conference competitive, but I have you on, so I got to talk about him. Um, Kobe White. So I spent some time at summer league. I spent. I was. I was there for a day. Watched Kobe White have his typical game. A lot of possessions in which everything that preceded the shot looked really good. And, and then the shot clanged off and it was a long rebound. Is there, is there, is there hope for Kobe? Is he going to play very much for Chicago? Was it the right pick? Yeah, I like Kobe White. I think it was a good pick for the Bulls because you could play him on or off the ball, right? Like if you look at, uh, you know, the lineups, the Rockets were playing in the playoffs last year, Kobe White could fit into that type of lineup. It was all dudes who could pass dribble and shoot someone who can create their own offense when isolated. So while I think Kobe is a little bit more of a long-term project, and his success will ultimately be dependent on just how good of a pull-up shooter he is. I still like the pick, given what was on the board there for the Bulls. I think maybe he doesn't turn into a long-term point guard of the future, but in that case, I think he could be a really good scoring sixth man off the bench. Certainly, you could do worse than that with the seventh pick in a relatively weak draft. As for this year, I'm not sure exactly how many minutes Kobe's going to get and what his role is going to be. Chris Dunn is still on the team. We'll see if that's the case when the season starts. Thomas Sadoransky was a brilliant signing by the Bulls. He'll be their starting point guard from day one. You also have Ryan Archie Diakno, who actually played pretty well in limited minutes last year. He's a veteran who will know how to run the team in a traditional point guard sense. So I would probably avoid Kobe for fantasy purposes this year. But if you're keeping an eye on long term, I still think Kobe is going to have a bright career in front of him. Dalton, I hope you heard that. The Bulls are basically assembling a super team right now. Yes, I'm fearing, <laughs> definitely trembling the fear. That, that should clearly be your takeaway. Are you in or out on R.J. Barrett? That's what I want to know. In or out? Yeah, good question. Out. Always been out. <laughs> uh, too inefficient. I, I think that he like predetermines his moves. He just doesn't see the floor when he's driving. And that's such a death sentence for someone who's going to be running pick and rolls and isolations. I think that Barrett might put up big per game numbers. But in general, given the hype, given the context of where he was drafted and the role he's going to be expected to carry for the Knicks, I think it's going to be very hard for him to live up to expectations. Before we let you go, um, who's on the short list of prospects for 2020 that we should be thinking about during the college season? I think Cole Anthony is going to be the most hyped guy. He inherits Kobe White's role at North Carolina's point guard. He's going to be unbelievable in Roy Williams' system. He's like custom built to be in an up-tempo offense. Cole Anthony, absolutely explosive athlete. I'd put him ahead of John Morant just in terms of run and jump athleticism oh. and in strength. Uh, he's a much better pull-up shooter. He's someone who could run an NBA pick and roll today. He's older than both RJ Barrett and Zion Williamson. So that's something you have to consider in terms of draft stock. But I think, you know, from day one at the college level, he's going to be a killer. The only thing is, you know, can he get his teammates involved while still getting his buckets? I think he's going to have a lot of games where he scores 27 points and 20 shots. Efficiency will be something for him to work on. And also just like the traditional point guard duties of running a team, uh, hitting open teammates, that sort of thing is what he needs to work on. Also, Anthony Edwards playing for Tom Crean down in Georgia. Tom Crean molded Victor Oladipo and Dwayne Wade. Anthony Edwards, I think, committed to Georgia for that very reason. He's an Atlanta kid. 
Uh, he's such a strong and explosive downhill scorer. He's someone who has an unbelievably quick first step and really quick movements off his crossover. He's just a freight train going to the basket. The question will be, where's his shot at? Can he pass? Can he read a floor? I think he's a really bright long-term prospect, even if he's not a finished product yet. Uh, I would have Anthony Edwards as the number one player in this draft at the beginning of the season. Ricky, you're awesome. Thanks for doing this. As soon as I exit this pod, I'm going to listen to the Big Blowout Laurie Markkinen podcast on cash considerations. Uh, again, you guys can follow Ricky at SBN underscore Ricky. I would, I would pay for the content, but it's just out there for free. Okay, we're going to close this thing down with a little, in case you missed it, uh, this is going to close every show for us. And this week... We got to talk about, um, well, we're going to revisit Kawhi. So over the weekend, not sure if you saw this, Kawhi Leonard was like briefly, like for just an instant, made an appearance on, I believe it was the Jumbotron at the Rams-Bucks game, got lustily booed in Los Angeles. The night before, uh, Paul George had also been booed. I believe it was at a concert, maybe at the forum. So both of these guys uh, who are, I'm pretty sure both of them LA area natives coming back to Los Angeles, but not for the Lakers, um, just getting hellaciously booed. Uh, d- did you catch this? What are your thoughts on this? It sets up, I think, probably the NBA's greatest rivalry. I didn't catch this until producer Brett pointed this out backstage. I mean, Paul George, yeah, Paul George is an L.A. guy. He's claimed he's been their, you know, their fan since he was a kid, and everyone was convinced he was going to eventually go there. So this is funny. I mean, it's great. I mean, they had a, a game in Kauai. One of the most disappointed things that happened to me over the summer is finding out that the Apple Time story, you know, when he supposedly <laughs> took out a dozen apples at a team dinner with Popovich dinner and ate him with a knife and fork and said apple time. I mean, supposedly story like that, as Kramer said, got to be true, but apparently it's not. So I hate, I hate to hear that, but, but Kawhi Leonard getting booed at a Rams game. Very, very funny stuff. The, the fact that we all initially thought it was true um, says, says an awful lot about Kawhi Leonard though, right? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Buckets and all the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The guy is just, is, is hilarious and he's all about game. And uh, I wonder if he even realized what was happening. You know, I don't know if you know who won the football game ahead of him or if they're booing what, what's going on, but supposedly that's a, that's there was another, there's another story that supposedly the, uh, they went up to the uh, Clippers management and they gave him a list of possible free agents and he just pointed to Paul George and he said him and then and that, that's what they scrambled. And that was the big thing. They gave him a list of free agents. He said, you bring Paul George, I'll come. And it was as simple as that. Also super believable. Oh, my God. I hope that's true. Like, I deeply hope that's true. Um, can't wait for the first uh, for the first meeting between those two teams. It's going to be fantastic. Um, that is going to do it for the very first edition of this damn show. Uh, we're going to be back next Thursday and every Thursday uh, throughout the NBA season. So. Please, you guys kind of know the drill. Subscribe, write us a nice little review on Apple Podcasts. Maybe tell a friend about the show. Maybe tell four or five friends about the show. That would be greatly appreciated. You can follow Yahoo Fantasy on Twitter. It's just at Yahoo Fantasy. I am at Andy Barons. He is at Dalton Del Don. And of course, follow Ricky O'Donnell as well. That is it. We are out. We are out.